Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is June 29th, 2023. It is Thursday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Thank you so much for your patience. I walked like face first into a big flower tree outside of my house and got pollen all over me. And sure enough, I had the like most severe allergies ever for a few days. I was so sick. I couldn't stop coughing and it was absolutely horrible. And of course, that was during my recording time. And I really, really, really tried to like make it work, but I couldn't. So it's been a little all over the place. I do apologize, uh, but thanks for bearing with me. So today's episode is brought to you by Glam Craft. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, we can't possibly have a summer love. So many people have tried that the names become proverbial. Summer is only the unfulfilled promise of spring. A charlatan in place of warm balmy nights. I dream of April. It's a sad season of life without growth. It has no day. F. Scott Fitzgerald. So we are drinking Owen's Garden Gate, which is a lavender, lemon, butterfly, pea, flower, tea. And uh, we are talking about rose hips. So we are talking about the health benefits today. This comes to us from Healthline.com. What are rose hips and do they have benefits? Let's dig into it. So yes. Rose hips uh, are known to have anti-aging properties. Rosehip oil is a popular anti-aging substance in the beauty community. Uh, though research supporting its benefits is limited, it's made by cold pressing rose hips and extracting their natural oils. Rose hip seeds are high in polyunsaturated fats, which support healthy skin membranes and protect your skin from inflammatory compounds such as uh, ultraviolet UV rays, cigarette smoke, and pollution. In one small eight-week study, taking 3 mg of rosehip powder daily, it led to a significant decrease in skin wrinkles and significant increase in skin moisture. Researchers attributed these results to rosehip's robust antioxidant, vitamin C, and fatty acid profile. Uh, So it makes so much sense to have it in our Owens Garden Gate tea. Um, What's that quote from the uh, little old lady in the movie where she says, the, uh, the ants don't age, I tell you. They just don't age. So it seems only right to have rose hips in our Owens Garden Gate tea. I'm going to take a sip. Brace yourselves. Mm. Yum. All right, moving into some headlines. This comes to us from Tampa Bay Times. Tampa Natives, which mountain documentary symbolizes closeted childhood in the 1970s? So I don't know if you remember Escape to Witch Mountain. I very vaguely do. Um, But I thought this would be great to get into. 
like the twins in the Escape to Witch Mountain blockbuster, Andy Stylin felt like a misfit. Something I know we all can relate to. Andy Steinland had a childhood crush on Eisenman star in the 1976 blockbuster Escape to Witch Mountain. For starters, Eisenman was a heartthrob, Steinland said, but it was far more than uh, that. Steinland, 53, grew up gay in Tampa in the 1970s and 80s when coming out did not feel like an option. Quote, I felt like a misfit, he said. And while Esmond is straight, he often played misfits. That's probably why a lot of gay boys from that time weirdly had a crush on him. Steinland had produced a documentary about that phenomenon. I thought that's really neat. Dear Ike, Lost, Lev- uh, Dear Ike Lost Letters to a Teen Idol is now streaming on PBS and will broadcast uh, for Pride Month in June. It's a love letter to anyone who remembers feeling out of place, said Steinland, who now lives in Los Angeles. If anyone feels any sort of comfort after watching, I think we won. Dear Ike began as a documentary about Dion Labrola's innocent childhood obsession with Eisenman. It started as a crush and then morphed into a dream to work with the actor who famously played Tony in Escape to Witch Mountain. Tony is an orphan boy who can move objects with his mind and communicate telepathically with his sister. The siblings are outcasts at their orphanage and then learn why they are different. They are aliens who must reunite with their kind at Witch Mountain. So this is really fascinating. There is a particular kind of strain of witch media, so this is a great opportunity to talk about it, that makes witches more akin to aliens. Um, so we see it here in Escape to Witch Mountain. If you've ever watched uh, Witches of East End, they kind of do something similar. Witches are a different spe- like species and have their own kind of alien world. So, uh, yeah, that's just something you'll kind of see uh, in some witch media is some media treats witches like a whole different strain of entity slash person. Uh, so a few years after the movie's release, while growing up in Ohio, Labriola, uh, uh, Labriola wrote a script for an animated science fiction movie about a boy who crashes on an alien planet where he is befriended by a magical owl, and he wanted Eisenman to voice the owl. Upon later learning that Eisenman wanted to make animated movies too, he wrote letters, a lot of them. So the documentary focuses on the humorous and often failed attempts to mail letters to the right address and his disappointment when Eisenman did not reply. Uh, and then, of course, it goes more into the uh, feeling like an outcast for being gay. So, uh, quote, junior high was the darkest time of my life, unquote. That's when kids are starting to get mean. I was clearly different, so I had it bad. And I think that's something a lot of people can relate to, especially in like the witch community. I think there's a reason we all uh, feel like we relate to these characters similar to in this documentary, how this little kid, even though that actor or that character wasn't gay, he just knew like, I'm, I feel different. This character is different and I connect to that. And that's something I just feel like we all can relate to a little bit. I know um, that's how I felt a lot. I have explained to, you know, friends in my life that, you know, I I was not treated the most kindly as a child. 
Um, everyone knew I was a little weird um, and, and different. Uh, the adults, uh, the children, the parents. Um, and that's a hard way to grow up. It's a hard way to grow up feeling like you're weird and then seeing everyone else see see it. It's very strange. Um, I had a really hard time. And yeah. Honestly, it's TV shows like, you know, you guys know I love Buffy and Charmed and I, lo- I love a good uh, encompassing show. And um, truly, it's because I feel like these shows like saved my life. If I didn't have an escape, I just don't know how I would have managed growing up in a small town feeling so different And again, not only feeling different, because I felt fine with myself. I didn't have shame for for how I was. I didn't think I was different. What's hard is when everyone lets you know they see that you're different. That is very, very difficult. So I often really uh, attribute my TV show obsession with just saving my life. It gave me, um, you know, when life's hard and your friends are mean to you and they're not inviting you places and they say not nice things or your parents um, aren't treating you very kindly. There's something about uh, escaping home to the Hallowell Manor that like keeps you going, you know. So I thought this was an absolutely wonderful uh, piece on just how these characters can just save us when we feel like we're misunderstood or that we may never be understood, you know? All right, witches, I am throwing this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Thursday, June 29th. The waxing gibbous moon continues to delve deeper in Scorpio today. Here, the moon squares Venus. The square to Venus can put us at odds with a loved one. This particular square points to a partner or friend not feeling as though they're getting enough attention. With the moon in Scorpio, we may feel more comfortable in hideout mode today. However, if we want our loved one in our lives, sometimes we need to make a rather overt show of affection in order to make them feel safe and loved. You don't have to go overboard, just make them feel seen. A little effort goes a long way. Your daily moon mantra is, people will forget what you said and did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Get ready to be spellbound by the Glam Witch. Originally considered to be the essence of a witch's spell, glamour is an ultimate act of magic. Used to master and manipulate one's appearance, true glamour magic is about honoring and expressing yourself to ultimately get what you want in the world. Intersecting visual aesthetic with the esoteric, Michael Herkes, the glam witch, takes you into their world of glamour with a personal pictorial on the magical art of beauty, fashion, and glamour magic. Whether your goal is to get attention, a new job, a date, or even go unnoticed, here you will be guided on how to craft a magical message with your presence by cultivating confidence with magical application, integrating magic into your beauty regimes with cosmetic, hair care, and fashion, bewitching with body language, eye contact, and seduction through 
through the senses, manifesting a magical persona that caters to your most unique qualities, and utilizing crystals, dolls, fragrances, tarot cards, and more to maximize your glamour efforts. Only 200 of these limited editions will be sold, so grab yours now at theglamwitch.com. All right, we are back. So, um, for those of you who don't know or who are not on our Patreon fam, one thing I've been doing just for a little funsy, it's not a part of like any Patreon package or whatever, I just started doing it because I wanted to, is I started doing rewatches of Charmed on the Patreon. Why Charmed? I don't know. I was in the mood that day. Um, And what's really fun is that we're going through the episodes every Wednesday. A new episode drops. Uh, We watch the show together. And then I pause it during the commercials. And I talk about it. First, I just give my general thoughts on the show, um, the characters, continuity, if I think things make sense. But then I also comment on the witch stuff. Like, okay, they're talking about, like, astral projection this week. What is that? How does it actually work? And how can we as witches tap into that? Because when it comes to shows like Charmed and Buffy or whatever, there is truth in it, even if it's fantasy or whatever. So that's what I've been doing. Every episode we, uh, or every Wednesday, I put out an episode. It's me watching the show, and then I comment on the gods and goddesses. Does it align with what they're saying on the show? Does it not? What does it really mean? Uh, And then how can we as witches achieve some of these magical feats that we're seeing, along with just my general feels about the show, which have no basis for anything other than my personal opinion. Um, But I'm having a lot of fun. So one of the gods or deities that we talked about on Charmed was from one of my favorite episodes of all time. It is called Dead Man Dating. And in the story... Um, you have John Cho, his first ever role. He plays a character who is murdered by, um, like a, a gang of, um, bad guys. I don't know the, all the words, but by these bad guys who want to fake their boss's death. And like, this guy just happens to kind of be the same age and same built and same whatever. So they just kill this innocent man played by John Cho. And the whole purpose of the show is that he goes to the charmed ones because they're witches and apparently witches can see ghosts. And they, he says, hi, I, you know, I need your help. Um, my spirit is stuck here. I need to be laid to rest. If not Yama will come and capture my soul and I'll forever burn in hell. Basically, like, I need you to help me. Help me figure out why I haven't been laid to rest, essentially. So um, this was really fun. So I decided to look up Yama and see how in tuned Charmed was with their depiction of Yama. So first of all, it is Charmed. Charmed really loves to Christianize things, which, you know, time and place. It was the 90s in the U.S., they, they did their best, okay? Um, but essentially, we looked it up, and we actually discovered a few different things. First of all, there's a few different versions of Yama. There is Buddhism, and then there's Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, and Japanese mythology. So, according to Wikipedia, in the Chinese mythology, uh, Chinese religion, and Taoism, King Yan, um, also known as Yama, oversees the ting um oversees the 10 kings of hell 
and um, he's portrayed as a large man with a red face, and he even appears on Chinese hell money in the position reserved for political figures. So according to legend, he is often equated with Yama, right, from Buddhism. But um, he has his, again, his own stories and all of that. So um, I'm going with the Chinese legend because that is uh, what John Cho's character. I, I, th I think John Cho is actually Korean, but John Cho's character in the show um, was Chinese. So I'm going with that aspect because he talks about how his mother would tell him all these stories of Yama. And uh, that is what I'm going to uh, go with. So it's said that he always appears in male form and he has minions that include a judge who holds in his hands a brush and a book listing every soul and the allotted death date for every life. Then there's ox head and horse face, the fearsome guardians of hell that bring the newly dead one by one before Yan for judgment. Men or women with merit will be rewarded with good future lives or even a revival of their previous life. Men or women who are committed misdeeds will be sentenced to suffering or miserable future lives. And in some versions of the story, um, you can even like uh, go to a special court reserved for thieves or murderers. So essentially these are spirits of the dead and um, they're judged by Yan or Yama uh, and then kind of it's determined whether they go to like uh, whether they're reincarnated with a good life or a not so good life. So I wanted to talk about how this is different than Charmed's depiction. So of course Charmed is a show. They have to wrap up a story, make it tense and have conflict and have ups and downs very, very quickly, right? So first of all, in the Charmed uh, episode, the man on the horse, uh, so I guess horse face and ox head, uh, what in Charmed was Yama, which we know now he would have been kind of a worker of Yama, whereas Yama is a little bit more like, I guess, a mix between the spirit, like the kind of spirit of death along with uh, the one who casts a judgment. So a little different right off the bat. Um, and also it's really all about reincarnation, right, which totally makes sense. Um, but in Charmed, it was all about burning in hell or going to heaven. So, again, we see that Christianization just a little bit. Um, ideally, if uh, they had used Yama a little bit more correctly, it would have just been that his spirit would pass before Yama. He would be judged. He was a good man, and therefore he would be reincarnated into a good life and or would have the ability to restart his current life. But that's not fun for action scenes and running and intensity and like little sneaky kisses with with one of the witches. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit. I thought it was, I thought it's really fun to kind of share how we have these depictions of these non um, Western based deities or spirits and how they can sometimes be a little twisted and turned in the u.s uh or western lens especially hollywood lens and of course no right off the bat i'm just pulling my information from wikipedia um as someone who has only read a few autographs on um autographs 
paragraphs on Wikipedia. I am myself am no expert, and I am not speaking on behalf of any other experts. I am just saying um, that that is what I've read, and I think it's really fascinating. And it reminds me of what we talked about when we talked with our Fay uh, experts, Morgan Daimler, and she spoke about how we have to be careful when we try to represent spirits in other cultures using our words and language and our expectations, right? Because we're going to misrepresent them. So I ha already, in just my small talk, may have uh, misrepresented Yama, um, but Charm definitely went really hard with misrepresenting it. But that would not be a new thing or a last thing for Charmed. You should see how they treat Hecate and Kali. Wow. But anyways, I'm having a lot of fun uh, recapping the episode. Or not even recapping. We, like, we watched the whole thing. So you can go on there and watch a whole episode. And then I just pause during the commercial breaks and I talk. Uh, but if, if you're into that, check it out. It's on our Patreon. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to share. It just seemed in line with what we talked about with Morgan Daimler about. Um, plus, I thought it was just really neat. And also what was really fun is in the Charmed episode, uh, his spirit, John Cho's character... His spirit uh, is prevented from entering spaces where there is a talisman. However, they never name the talisman. So I uh, pulled up Google and I just typed in popular uh, Chinese talismans because this character is Chinese and I found the talisman that they kept showing. And what they were showing were foo dogs and foo dogs in Charmed were meant to hold out any spirits any spirit, which again is a very Christian idea. Whereas in reality, a food dog is supposed to uh, keep out bad spirits. He, his character was not a bad guy. He was not an evil spirit. He should have had no problem crossing those boundaries. However, like I said, charmed one episode, they have to create conflict and obstacles and etc. etc. It is definitely my absolute favorite episode of charmed in season one. If not the whole show, we'll have to watch the whole thing for me to let you know. But I really, really love that episode. It's one of my favorites. I cry every time. Even just thinking about it, I'm like, don't cry. Because I really loved him. And I wish they brought him back. And I would have I traded in any other character for him. Any other one. I don't even care. Name it. Done. Like, oh, I loved that character. So I was just really excited to talk about it and to share with you. Uh about it so yeah all right witches that's all i've got for you today don't forget to um check out any books headlines whatever at witchpod.com um i do want to give a shout out to elaine gonzalez elaine you perfect scrumptious moth midnight lightning you spiffy pretty unicorn nurse april reinhardt you luminate nope you beautiful, thoughtful sun goddess. And finally, Rachel Brady, you scintillating wise unicorn nurse. Thank you for so much being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate it. And before we leave, we do have a card pull. Our card today is the Eight of Stakes from the Buffy Tarot. Cue up the training montage. The Eight of Stakes brings action, momentum, and progress. Don't try to understand or don't try to stand in its way. Just let the energy carry you along for the ride. Your potential has been unlocked 
And this is a window of time in which you can access all sorts of awesome. All right, witches. That's it. That's all I've got for you today. So we will talk again tomorrow. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. <laughs>